0: Death has come to your little town, sheriff.
1: Evil dies tonight. Yes! Evil dies tonight. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. The blackest dies, the devil eyes. I guess everyone's entitled one good scare. Huh? Trick
0: or treat. Motherfucker.
1: Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Woody Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined by horror analyst, journalist, and podcaster. She's contributed to Ghouls Magazine and Hear a Scream, among other publications. She's guested on plenty of podcasts, including Hornblood Fire with our mutual friend, Amber. Please welcome my friend, Ariel, also known as Ari Hellraiser.
0: Hi, Austin. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. Thanks for coming on. Of course. For picking a villain that prior to this, I have not watched his movies.
0: That was kind of my hope. I was kind of hoping to introduce more people to these movies because I really enjoy them and I I want to hear them talked about more. So I was really excited to get to do that.
1: And I was was really excited to be like, you know what? It's about time I watch these because I kind of knew about, but I didn't know anything about them. And yeah, they're definitely interesting. I can't wait to talk about them. Uh, oh, yes. For everyone listening, because we haven't mentioned it yet, today we're talking about a villain who makes me feel much better about owning an embarrassing amount of Funko Pops. We are talking about The Collector.
0: <laughs> yes, he, he he reflects the collectors in all of us. Hopefully not, but yes to the <laughs> Funko Pops.
1: I think my collection's a, uh, a little less uh, harmful than his. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. But before we uh before we get into the collector, I was uh I mean, everyone listening to the show already knows. I'm curious, when did you first become a horror fan?
0: Yeah. So I wish I had like a cool answer for this, you know? <laughs> I'm jealous of people who have like a story or a memory. But truly for me, I don't remember a time before I was a horror fan. Like we always had Stephen King books in my house. Like I can I remember like learning to walk and like pulling myself up on the bookshelf and like seeing Stephen King books and like we were always watching like the Stephen King miniseries in my house growing up. My parents enjoyed horror. My older brother introduced me to a lot of horror. So it's just kind of always been there.
1: I I feel that. I guess you can say horror has always been in your blood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you kind of have, well, you mentioned Stephen King and the miniseries. I'm guessing it was one of them.
0: Definitely. That's one of my earliest horror movie memories is watching it. That stuff was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like so scary. <laughs> But it was just on TV, yeah.
1: And that was before, like, because nowadays, I mean, you get to pick and choose what's Mm -hmm. on TV whenever you want. Back in the day, you had a couple channels, and you just watched whatever was on. Oh, yes. And then everybody watched, like, these miniseries.
0: Yeah, it was, like, a big deal when they came out. And, like, we didn't have cable growing up, but they were on network television. So, you know, we taped them off the TV. So then I had this rickety VHS tape with the It (laughs) miniseries on it that I watched forever. Also, The Stand. We watched that one a lot, too, as a family. I don't know if that's dark or not, but it was fond memories.
1: Well, as long as it was, you know, a family event, I think it's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Whenever I got to stay homesick from school, I would watch The Stand. That was like my sick day movie because it's really long. I knew it really well. So I could like fall asleep and wake back up and it would still be on. It was perfect.
1: You got to have like a stable of sick day movies. Definitely. And the way you described it, I think that's a perfect choice. I do have to admit, I've never seen The Stand. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's got those 90s miniseries vibes. So I don't know if I would like it as much now if I watched it, like if I was introduced to it now. I don't know if it's mostly nostalgia for me, but I definitely love it.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with nostalgia, in my opinion. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just like, you got to judge a movie based off of when it was made, not to standards you'll hold a movie today.
0: Right. I think, I do think you need to be able to talk about both. What was going on at the time? and how does it fit in now? That's one of my favorite ways to analyze horrors through a historical perspective.
1: Oh, for sure. I was more thinking, like, I'm not going to try and compare the two different versions of it, because the new It had a much bigger budget with the toys of today, whereas the miniseries, It did not have as much... uh, to play with although it did have Tim Curry
0: it did have Tim Curry yes but you're very, it's very true that it did not have the budget or like the the reach of all the different technologies yeah it's just a different <laughs> different ball game
1: oh for sure I I actually have a question that I've n- I haven't asked anyone on the podcast yet okay and it has to do the reason is because it has to do with the villain you chose the collector. I find that a lot of horror fans are indeed collectors, whether it's horror movies, um, horror magazines, horror books, Funko Pops, Mm -hmm. (laughs) horror figures. Do you have a collection?
0: I do. I love to collect DVDs and Blu-rays. I haven't branched out as much into figures just because I don't have as much space for them. I do have some. Mm -hmm. But... I can't stop myself from buying Blu-rays and DVDs. I'm a sucker for special features. Yeah. I will have multiple copies of the same movie if the different versions have different special features. My most like recent and probably like my most prized acquisition lately is a Saw a box set of the Saw movies that comes with a replica reverse bear trap. And it's like in this really beautiful box, so it's a great display piece. Like, I couldn't stop myself from buying that. Like, I just love a box set. I love the way the movies look on my shelf. I love being able to watch whatever I want whenever I want, not rely on random streaming services, having pulled it or not. So, yeah, I love collecting physical media.
1: Thank you, thank you. I agree 100 with everything yes. you just said. Yes, and i I would argue that I'm a bit quicker on the draw than you are because you you said uh, you you would buy the same movie depending on the special features. I'd buy the same movie because I like the artwork. Oh <laughs> on yeah, on the packaging. So fair enough. So uh, I think you're a little. Uh, I think you're a little bit better than me.
0: <laughs> a little more restrained. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> But like, I love how you mentioned the saw with the reverse bear trap one, because that's iconic. Yeah. I think that's great. I just bought a box set of the um, 4K Jurassic Park series, Ooh. which that is my um, Jurassic Park's my all-time favorite movie. Okay. I don't know if it's my all-time favorite franchise. But I don't want to get into that right now. But it, but <laughs> the Jurassic Park's my all-time favorite movie for sure, and I bought the 4K because I didn't have any of them on 4K yet. Because I have them on DVD and Blu-ray, and I have the original on VHS somewhere. Because I don't know if you're like me and where I will buy the same movie in different formats.
0: Yes. I will sometimes get rid of the older format if there's nothing on it that I don't have otherwise, like if there's not a special feature I'd be missing. But sometimes I do keep all the different versions.
1: I don't think I've ever gotten rid of a movie, to be perfectly honest.
0: I donate them to the public library because I hope it can help another little horror goblin out there find something they like. (laughs)
1: That's really awesome. If I ever decide I don't want to be a hoarder. <laughs> well, I, I think I know what I'm going to do if I ever need to shed a few, because that's a really awesome thing. Because you're right. Uh, donating to a public library, that just that's just a good. Someone will benefit.
0: Yeah. And I've gotten a lot of weird stuff I couldn't find elsewhere through the public library. And I think sometimes people forget you can get movies from the library. So I always like to put that out there. But then I also know, a lot of horror fans will sell their movies and make money. And that makes total sense, too. I'm just way too lazy to mess around <laughs> with, like, selling stuff, so.
1: Well, it also depends on the movie, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I had one where I'm like, okay, I got a VHS of this movie and men can dish, then I'm sorry, library, but I got to make a buck.
0: <laughs> yes, most definitely. Someone will pay you for that, and you might as well.
1: But, um, and, you know, someone still benefits.
0: yes. Yeah, Me? for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why'd I bring up the Jurassic?
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, 4K. Yeah.
1: Well, I bring that up because it came with a figure of Blue the Velociraptor with the new Baby Blue in the new movie. And I didn't even care for the new movie that much. But I'm like, this comes with a limited edition figure of a dinosaur that I like.
0: And I have a to baby have it.
1: Version. Yeah, I had to have it. Yep. Because I didn't hate the new Jurassic World movie. And that's I know that's going to be an unpopular opinion. So that's OK. But have
0: your unpopular opinion.
1: <laughs> but like, I didn't hate it. I, I'll have figures from it. I don't care. I like dinosaurs, I man. I saw
0: <laughs> any of the new ones.
1: I don't think you're missing much, to be honest. OK.
0: It's that I first movie, original. which
1: is. Yeah, it's that first movie, which is the the goat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes. And then the other ones are fun. I have fun. They are.
0: The second and the third, I remember being fun.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like Halloween for me. Yeah. It's like the first one is one of the greatest movies ever.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then the other, like, I like all the Halloween movies. I like all the Jurassic World movies on Jurassic Park. I don't think they're all good, but I like them.
0: I totally hear you. As a person who has multiple copies of every Saw movie, I totally hear you on the, it's not good, but I like it.
1: (laughs) I think you'll be interested to know that this year was the first time I've watched all the Saw movies.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I would totally derail us to ask you for (laughs) all your thoughts on them. I don't want to hijack your show for that, but like overall, what did you think?
1: I liked it a lot. I'm a of fan the- now. I'm a yes. fan now. Yes. And <laughs> and you're not hijacking anything because, well, the listeners are probably like, when are they getting to the collector?
0: <laughs> we will.
1: We'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> but it has to be said that upon my initial reactions to the collector, it's really similar to Saw.
0: Yes. So a couple of fun facts. Okay. Both The Collector and The Collection are written and directed by Marcus Dunstan, who has writing credits on Saw 4, 5, 6, and 7. Okay. And he originally pitched The Collector as a Saw prequel, but the studio was like, no, let's have it be its own thing, which I think is cool because it gets to do something different. Like Jigsaw and The Collector are not the same villain, I don't think at all. Right. but it does have a lot of love for the Saw movies. You can feel it in there. And I do think it comes from like Marcus Dunstan's work on the franchise and respect for the franchise.
1: Well, it's very, I found like, I found watching The Collector and The Collection very recently. For everyone listening, I was telling Ariel this before we started recording. I just finished The Collection a few minutes before I got on to this, uh, before I set up this podcast recording, I uh, barely watched that second movie in time.
0: But you made it.
1: I made it. And I'm glad I did, because honestly, I like the second one a lot more.
0: It's a, It's a pretty different movie. I mean, I know we'll get into it. It's similar in terms of like some themes and the violence, but it's a much bigger story and there's more characters, and there's just, like, more going on, so I I definitely could see why you'd like that one more.
1: I just felt more engaged to it, mm-hmm. like, um, I haven't, I have not had the time to do my letterbox review for the collection yet, because <laughs> I just, you know, you I just, just watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I just finished it, but I can already say that for the collector, I gave that, like, for initial watch, a two and a half stars. I thought it, I liked it. I -hmm. I thought it was fine. The collection, I would give like three and a half.
0: Oh, a full star
1: above. And I don't know why that makes such a difference, but it does. does.
0: Oh, it totally does. There's a whole like emotional difference between two and a half and three and a
1: half. Thank you. You, There really is. You get what I'm like saying, (laughs) because I'm like, is there much of it? But it feels like there is, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I give something a two and a half, people are like, Oh, so you didn't, you didn't like it. I'm like, I didn't hate it. Right. That's a, that's a 50%. That's, that's
0: okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But yeah, with the first one, I just kind of remember not knowing that it has like a true relationship to Saw already. Mm -hmm. I just kind of was thinking to myself, this feels like it just wants to be Saw. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. With the second movie, I think it's a good thing. I'm not sold on the first movie, though. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. I happen to love both, but I totally get what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I uh, I don't want to be mean, though. You know what no, I mean? No, you're first not. Off, first off, I don't like being mean towards movies. I yeah. I just don't. But like, I didn't care for the first one. And then the second one I really liked.
0: I do think that's important. (laughs) Like, I think that's meaningful though, because for anybody listening who hasn't seen them or maybe who has only seen the first one and not the second one, like it's worth noting that they're pretty different experiences, even though they focus on some of the same characters and like the same villain story, they're really differently feeling movies. So that's why I do recommend people watch both so you can really get the full experience.
1: Oh yeah, because this would be a very different conversation if I'd only watched the first one.
0: (laughs) Then I'm really glad you got a chance to watch the second one.
1: I'm really glad I did too. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like Saw. I'm sorry, there's going to be so many parallels to Saw. Oh yeah, that's by
0: design. That's I I orchestrated this. Oh, good,
1: (laughs) good. I felt like the Saw movies for the most part, they all have a different tone and different, some of them kind of melt. I mean, I did watch them all within a short period of time. So they have kind of melded together in my brain a little bit. Yeah, but that um, happens. I feel like the first one is its own unique thing. Yes. I feel like the second one is its own thing. The third one is its own thing. Four and five kind of meld together in my brain. Yep. And then six is honestly my favorite sequel of Mine the Saw too. franchise.
0: I love six.
1: I think I think it is so good. And then and then seven.
0: Yeah. Did you watch <laughs> the eighth one, Jigsaw?
1: Oh, you know what? I didn't. I, okay. I forgot that one because
0: That's okay. okay. Yeah, it's I was done that after was almost... the
1: seventh one. I saw the yeah. Chris Rock one though. Okay. I saw Spiral. Yeah. Okay. But I did forget about eight, but I have to watch it because there's a new Saw movie coming out.
0: I know. (laughs) Listen, I'm very excited because I didn't really care for Spiral. I really wanted to like it, but I'm hoping whatever happens next, I am in love with it again. Like the Saw franchise has ups and downs. That's okay. Spiral can be a down, but I want the next one to be an up, please. So I'm very excited for it. Also, sidebar about me, I also really love the Fast and the Furious franchise. Okay. Next year, we get the 10th Fast and the Furious movie and the 10th Saw movie. And I feel like I've won everything for, like, I feel like I won a prize. I cannot (laughs) wait for both those movies to come out.
1: That's going to be a really interesting movie, uh, Fast 10. You should get a prize because I'm pretty sure this is the first time the Fast and the Furious has been brought onto <laughs> my show and I'm all for it. I have to I have to be honest, though. I've only seen one of the movies. OK, yeah. And it that's was okay. seven. Oh, that's the best one. <laughs> OK, I'm go- I liked it. I actually liked it, it's but I so had no good. clue what was I had no clue what was going on. Doesn't was, matter.
0: It's directed by James Wan. That's why I went to go see it. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had to go see it because James Wan was doing it. And I was like, that's my boy.
0: Exactly. And he he knocks it out of the park. And then he I was no wrong.
1: He can, honestly, honestly. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, This is a malignant friendly podcast.
0: Yeah, good, good. I only want to <laughs> be in malignant friendly areas. Thank you. Very exact,
1: much. Yeah, I don't believe in gatekeeping, but I will for malignant. I'm I'm kidding I'm kidding (laughs)
0: just put up a sign and just tap the sign
1: (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) speaking of James Wan you know who co-created Saw yep I think his influence it can definitely be felt not only on the collector but on the entire mid-2000s horror (laughs) yeah like you know but I the collector I think that was 2009
0: yep 2009 and then the collection came in came out at 2012 and by 2012 we were almost on our way to a different era in horror um yeah but in 2009 we were still comfortably in that nasty gritty green and yellow filter violent nihilistic which is what I love I love that space
1: well I I found I found it interesting because I feel like both of these films feel like the collect I know the collector came out in 2009 Mm -hmm. but that is a 2003 film (laughs) I know what you mean yeah yes
0: I do know what you mean it feels like it could sit earlier in the decade in terms of the violence in the decade was always building on itself in those horror movies throughout and it just kept ramping up and ramping up and some of the language choices and visual choices feel earlier in the decade. So I definitely know what you mean.
1: And I don't think we came across any spoilers yet, but uh, just for everyone listening, spoilers for the collector and the collection and the Saw franchise. I'm just gonna (laughs) rip off that band-aid just so we can be free in discussion. And also I just want to give a warning to listeners who might be a bit more screamish these are very gory movies
0: yes they are i would definitely look up content warnings if that's something that you feel like you want to do before you watch a movie or maybe read um even a plot synopsis wouldn't help you very much because so much of it is like the visual violence so right. you do got to be ready for that that is good to mention
1: i feel like it's somewhere in between mainstream slasher gore and extreme horror gore like I don't know if it's quite extreme but it's more than your average Michael Myers flick
0: yeah it's um it's not as gory as like the sadness which the sadness I can say I um I stole this phrase from Kelly Gredner who is another podcaster she does the horror spinsters and um (laughs) Uh, that the podcast is I, I spit on I spit on your podcast and um, <laughs> our bloody obsession, but she uses the phrase mainstream extreme and not in like a negative way, not like mainstream is bad, but just right. sort of like movies that the a bunch of pub people might watch. Like the sadness, I would consider mainstream extreme, and the collector is almost that. Yeah, it's not something I would show to most people unless I knew they were going to be okay with that and honestly Austin I apologize I didn't warn you about that either <laughs> I probably should have no
1: worries no worries I just well I was watching the first one and I was like oh okay it's yep. that kind of movie
0: yeah it is that kind of movie
1: <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ready but at the same time I'm sorry if you have a horror podcast you should just be prepared for gore <laughs> So I mean, I, maybe that's true, but
0: I also didn't even think to give you a heads up. So my bad. Well, if,
1: well, I if I got upset over it, then I'm in the wrong podcasting field.
0: <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> true. Maybe that's true.
1: But at the same time, I like I like this particular podcast. I like to think of it as some as one something that everyone can, lis- can listen to, whether yeah. or not they're in the genre or not. And since I, I know people who are just starting off with the horror genre, I just want to be like, build your way up to this one.
0: (laughs) I completely agree with you. There is, in addition to like a lot of violence and body horror, there's also a fair amount of like insects and arachnids. And so that's what I needed a warning
1: on. That's yeah, my what bad. I needed a warning. Shoot, I'm so
0: sorry. <laughs> uh, listeners, don't, uh, don't let me put you in the position I put Austin in. Um, <laughs> there are bugs in this film.
1: Yeah, I was like, I, I came, I, I do not do well with spiders. Yeah. So there is a scene involving tarantulas. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time like literally my second favorite movie of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Oh yeah. It's a great movie. Obviously.
1: I was not prepared to talk about Raiders today. (laughs) Actually, that's kind of a lie. I saw, I saw Empire Magazine tweet, like, are you ready for adventure? And they're about to have an announcement tomorrow, or at least time of recording. By the time I put this episode out, it's going to be long announced. (laughs) But I have a feeling it's going to be an Indiana Jones announcement. And OK, I've been humming the theme song in my head all day. That's awesome. so I see, you know, so that's the thing. I see tarantulas in the collection and I'm right back on indie mode. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm thinking of when the tarantulas are like, crawling all over like you see the one on harrison ford and he turns or tells alfred molina to turn around and he's just covered in them yeah the main character or not the main character but one of the main characters um i just watched this movie with emma i think elena elena thank you yep she um she's on the ground and the collector kind of knows she's hiding somewhere so he lets loose a bunch of tarantulas and let them kind of go on the floor in hopes that they make her squirm and she has to lie down and not move while there are tarantulas covering like just crawling all over her and I was just like this is the worst part of the movie this is the scariest part of the movie
0: it is rough um because they're on her face and stuff and it's just like Good move by the collector because that would probably make most people scream and come out of hiding, but she holds it together.
1: Well, I just thought that was diabolical. Like that's yeah. clever.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's uh he is a villain for sure.
1: He's he's interesting because for me in the first one, he felt like kind of a generic nothing character. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay. Whatever. But in the second one, he's fleshed out just enough. So you don't really know why he's doing it. And if you do know, then I missed it. But um, he has it. I, I think the first one introduces it, but the second one fleshes out. He has a thing with bugs.
0: Yeah, he's um. when you said fleshed out, I had to smile because he is quite <laughs> literally fleshed out in the second one because there are body parts everywhere. True. So. In the first movie, we're introduced to the fact that the collector works for like an extermination company. And we learn early in the movie, but we don't know what this means, that he quote-unquote always takes one. So he does these home invasions where he kills people in the house, but he always puts one in a box and takes it for his collection. In the first movie, we don't really see what that means, where that goes. In the second movie, we're on his territory. I don't know if that's where he lives or just where he does his stuff, but it's like a warehouse. It feels very saw. And there's so many rooms where human and like human body parts are displayed the way an entomologist might display bugs. So like pinned up or like suspended in fluid All different types of gross ways to display humans. And so you kind of get this sense that like, okay, he's really into bugs and he values bugs way more than he values people. Because there's this scene in the first one where right before killing someone, he like gently puts a spider out a window to save it and then he murders a person. So he's really into bugs. He want he collects bugs as well but he sort of cares for them as pets it seems like whereas he kills and displays humans like you might see bugs on a pin board and we don't really learn more than that about him but like we we just get that little bit more that makes him like so much scarier
1: yeah and and I my brain just kind of made a I guess a connection but my brain kind of like if you To make the collector, you need a third jigsaw, a third Michael Myers, and a third Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs.
0: I think that that is exactly right. I didn't really ever think of it that way, but that's true.
1: My brain just made that mathematical equation because that's how films work. But like, (laughs) I think the jigsaw comparison is a fairly easy one with all like the traps and stuff and with the actual behind the scenes connections. The reason why I say Mikey, um, Mikey, my, my, Michael Myers is because (laughs) he mask killer who is pretty strong and brutal, especially with some of his hand-to-hand kills he's strong like michael and uh creative like michael but the buffalo bill connection i get because buffalo bill also has this obsession with insects yep and also takes people and butchers them and skin and body parts are all over
0: yeah that's really true. I, for as much as I've thought a lot about the collector, I never really made the Buffalo Bill connection. But that is very true.
1: We love the Silence of the Lambs on this podcast as well.
0: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> but absolutely. I,
1: I don't, I don't think I've ever met someone who didn't like Silence of the Lambs. So I don't think that's a controversial take.
0: <laughs> Probably not. But still, good to put it out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a malignant one. I have to. I have to warn people no malignant <laughs> hate in front of me but uh <laughs> i know we're talking about how the collector has this affinity for bugs mm-hmm. i want everyone listening if you are thinking about watching the collector or the collection these films are pretty mean-spirited to animals
0: yes that's also true man i did not give you any warning often. no
1: no you did not <laughs>
0: um Yeah. If you're the kind of person who likes to check does the dog die dot com, which I am, then maybe you should look up some content warnings for these movies.
1: I'm just going to rip off the Band-Aid spoilers. There is a brutal killing of a cat, which I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very rough. And then it's not nice towards dogs either. I think like Mm -hmm. three dogs die, but they are dogs employed by the collector, so they're kind of villainous dogs, so yeah. I don't think their deaths are as mean-spirited. They're still brutal, and I don't like them, but at the same time, it's like those, those dogs are... would, would kill Exactly.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think, I think one of the dogs killed a cop in the first movie.
0: Yeah, like, the humans attack the dogs out of self-defense, which is upsetting, right. but understandable. That cat didn't ever do anything to anybody
1: exactly it was it was like that mid-2000s mean-spiritedness yes Yes. times 10
0: that's very true that's very true there's also a tank of fish that eats it actually
1: too oh yeah i yeah i forgot about there there's these movies do not like it i mean obviously it's all fake but still
0: i mean these they're brutal right most every living thing you see in these movies dies brutally at the hands of the collector or like his traps so it's yeah it's not a movie where like you know power of friendship pushes us through or anything
1: (laughs) and i think i'll move on from the animal cruelty (laughs) portion of this podcast after this just just so if you're still listening Skip like 30 seconds if you yeah, and then I won't bring it up again. But that cat death was so mean spirited because yeah. our main protagonist tried to save it. Yep. That's that's what made it so bad for me is that cat was in that like sticky glue trap, and our main guy Arkin tries to save the cat and it gets like like not guillotined, but like cut in half. And I'm just like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, um, it's as mean-spirited as it can be.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I promise we're moving on from that topic. There's plenty of people we can talk who were butchered, and that's, that's much true. more fun. Um, no, I shouldn't say, f- I know it's fictional, but I still shouldn't say fun.
0: <laughs> we know what you mean. <laughs> we're not going to isolate the audio.
1: <laughs> exactly. These are very gory films. And I think I think I haven't really covered the torture porn genre at all on this podcast. And I think The Collector is the first true torture porn film. Because I did do one episode on Saw, but I don't I don't think that's torture porn.
0: The first one definitely is not. Definitely not. Some of the later ones. I would classify them as such but okay. uh, not the first one at all. I, and I totally am willing to like when you know hear people say that they're not I think what the definition of makes torture porn is kind of, you know, wavy. Um the collector definitely is. Yeah. For sure. And I like that subgenre of films for the most part. So like I'm cool with that, but I know a lot of people out there would like to avoid it.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we're we're giving you all the warnings. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you know, if you think you can handle it, I definitely recommend it. Just so, because even if you don't like it, at least you watched it. You got it out of the way. You can have an opinion on it.
0: And I do think it's unique. Like, yeah, it is a torture poor movie. Yes, the first one is a home invasion movie. Yes, but. It's a home invasion movie where there are two home invasions happening at the same time and it turns into a really different movie than you think it's going to be. You're rooting against this rich family because you're rooting for Arkin and then you're rooting for the rich family because you realize they're being horribly victimized by the collector. Like it's a film that changes your allegiance throughout and it, you know, we're as confused as Arkin is. When someone right. else is in the house and you're like, wait, what's happening? So it's a cool twist on a home invasion. And I think the performances are really good. I think the traps are really interesting. You know, coming on the heels of the 2008 recession, it has a lot to say about class disparity and what people who are feeling, you know, financially sort of desperate, were considering, you know, would consider to do to keep themselves and their families fed and safe and alive. So like, you can really analyze these films from a perspective of like, those who have resources and those who don't, because even in the second film, people go to rescue Elena, because her parent, her dad has money, he can pay for it. Whereas no one came to rescue Arkham, because no one in his life has the resources to do that. So you know, if you want to put your nerd hat on and go be academic (laughs) about it, these movies are ready for you. Anyway, sorry, it was a little tangent.
1: It was a great tangent because (laughs) coming into this uh, recording session, I was, because I was like, oh, there there wasn't much to that first Collector movie. And it was, and you know, first time watch, you don't pick up on a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. But when when you said all that, I was just like, holy shit, you're right. There's way more to this film than I gave it credit for. And I, I think part of it is, I don't think anyone picks up everything on a first watch for any no, movie
0: definitely not
1: and but now that you say it, I'm like no yeah you have a point that that two and a half star I probably won't bump it up but <laughs> I but I uh I can appreciate it a lot more you know and, I've watched these movies yeah. a
0: lot of times so I've had a lot of time <laughs> to think about it
1: well I think like kind of like well the best part of The best thing about the horror genre is you can take a film at face value for what it is it's like oh this guy's invading people's homes and torturing them and then killing them and collecting one and then upon rewatches there's more to like like you said the class disparity Mm -hmm. and having the resources and and like i'm going to bring up jaws surface level very easy big shark eating people gotta kill it yep but you watch it a couple times you you can see there there's so many readings of that film where it's like jaws like especially post 2020 quarantines yeah uh jaws is like uh the beaches will be open for the fourth of july (laughs) like
0: (laughs) yep the beaches are open everybody's having a wonderful time yep it's very true i mean it there's a lot to say in JAWS about how do you balance, you know, like saving face politically versus public safety, which became right. very relevant in 2020.
1: So and literally sacrificing your town people for the economy.
0: Yes, exactly like, that.
1: I don't know if Spielberg knew it at the time. He might have. He, he probably did because he's Spielberg, but he was also like 25 <laughs> year old Spielberg. So who knows? But he made a pretty jaws is pretty anti-capitalist
0: it's very timeless too
1: and then which is ironic because it's also like transformed hollywood into what it is today (laughs) which is yeah very capitalist
0: (laughs) that's true man do we just become what we hate is is that the future (laughs) for all of us
1: uh no jaws is the darth vader of cinema
0: (laughs) oh maybe
1: (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> Jaws is still the greatest movie of all time. I love Jaws.
0: Jaws uh, is excellent. I watch it every 4th yeah. of July.
1: I do too.
0: Oh, cool.
1: I Let's do have a watch too. party. Oh, we got to. Yes. Uh, but No, we got to because it's a perfect 4th of July move. Sometimes, it is perfect. Sometimes I'll sprinkle in Independence Day. Yeah, or,
0: that makes sense.
1: Um, or um, what I do. I forgot what I did. But there are other... Fourth of July mm-hmm. movies, but Jaws is the Fourth of July movie, the summer movie. Mm-hmm. And I promise I was not planning on bringing up Jaws today. <laughs> but somehow the same couple movies always like to make their cameos because that's where my brain is always at, apparently. Yeah, Jaws is the greatest movie ever made. I think that's a scientific fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I'm know. not saying I... it's the
1: best. I'm not saying it's the best. <laughs> I, that's highly debatable. But I don't think a film had quite the impact that Jaws had.
0: I am not going to argue against that. I just don't know enough to agree with it. So I'm just going to go along with it.
1: <laughs> I just think when a film gets the kind of Oscar recognition that Jaws does, also yeah. has is the first blockbuster which transforms... The entire Hollywood model. Like, I don't think we get the Avengers or your insert your big blockbuster without Jaws.
0: Yeah, I could see that being true.
1: And then it also affected like biology because Jaws inadvertently got a lot of like people hating sharks.
0: Oh, yeah, that is true. I do remember hearing that.
1: And for better or for worse, Jaws changed the world in a lot of different ways. Because while it did, while a lot of people, you know, have this intense hatred of sharks, and I think, like, shark finning is a atrocity, which is unfortunately widespread, it also inspired a lot of people to love sharks, and we get shark week, and there's so many pe- scientists now that grew up watching Jaws, and now they want to save the sharks. Yeah. And I think that's true greatness, like... It's both good and bad.
0: <laughs> it's a effects. huge impact. It
1: Yeah. It's
0: it sta- it like ripples throughout time.
1: And I don't know of another film you could argue has that kind of impact.
0: I mean, Star Wars?
1: Yeah. That 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 one's the one where I'm always like don't say Star Wars. OK, you okay. said Star Wars. That's ah, the one. That's the I one. Edit no. it out. <laughs> well, that's the one 2 punch that changed Hollywood, right?
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: Jaws was the yeah. first blow in uh, Star Wars was the knockout.
0: <laughs> was Star Wars after Jaws? Yeah, I guess it was.
1: Uh, 75 not... and 77.
0: OK, I I'm not anti Star Wars. I'm just not like super knowledgeable about it.
1: Yeah, no worries.
0: Don't don't kick me off your show.
1: (laughs) Uh, So anyways, that's all the time we have for today. No, I'm kidding. kidding. But yeah, I'm glad we're talking about Star Wars because as a Star Wars fan, I have a huge collection of Star Wars memorabilia and the collector makes me feel a lot better about spending all my money on Star Wars. And that's how we get back to the collector.
0: (laughs) That's how we bring it it back.
1: back. (laughs) We brought it back good Uh, (laughs) yeah I think the collector is I was thinking about this earlier today and after watching the collection I think my point still stands I to me the collector is the Friday the 13th to Saw's Halloween okay say more so I don't think the collector is a blatant ripoff especially since You gave us that fun fact that The Collector is like a reworked Saw script um, (laughs) where it's literally from the DNA of Saw, whereas Friday the 13th, the filmmakers behind that film was like, oh, Halloween made a bunch of money doing that. Well, we could do it, too. And then (laughs) there's also an earnestness in Friday the 13th where it's like, yeah, they want to make a quick buck, but they're having fun. And I think, especially with the collection being the one that fleshes out the collector as a character, like we don't see Jason until part two, really. Yeah, that's true. And um, I think at a first glance, the collector does feel like a ripoff of Saw. It has the same visual style. It kind of has that grimy, nasty Mm -hmm. 2000 aesthetic. What's the word? The mana? monochrome palette yeah yeah that saw I think saw and the ring both popularized but especially saw with its grittiness and then the collector you know going for going for it with the traps and the gore I think the traps are very much a ripoff of saw I I don't see the reason why the collector feels the needs to have traps I'm okay with it but to me I'm just like no, that that's you trying to be saw
0: <laughs> well if he's an exterminator maybe he's used to trapping bugs i don't know i'm just trying to make it work
1: it may you know <laughs> it makes it it makes the sticky trap work the super glue trap yeah and now i'm thinking about the cat again so yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh i think the difference between the collector and friday the 13th is jason got to have a part three And a part four, and a part five, and a part, (laughs) and got to become this icon, whereas a collector, they didn't make any more after number two. So he didn't get a chance to become a icon. Yeah,
0: do you you know the story about the third one?
1: No, can you tell us? Okay,
0: yes, I'm full of fun facts. So there was supposed to be a third one called The Collected, and it was supposed to wrap up the trilogy. And in 2019, they were in pre-production and things got shut down because of COVID. And then most of the set got stolen, like the props, which are such an important, I mean, they're important for every movie, right? But you think about the props and the collection, a lot of that got stolen. And then interest in it kind of fizzled out. So for a couple of years there, Marcus Dunstan was kind of like, it can't happen. It's not going to happen. I'm really sorry, guys. Like, But it is what it is. Well, in July of this year, 2022, he said in an interview, I think with Screen Rant, Mm -hmm. that um, he still really wants to do it and that there's some renewed interest in it. And if anything has ever made me feel so hopeful, (laughs) I don't know what it is, because one of my hopes is that we can all wish this movie into existence. Like, now that you and your listeners know that The Collected is supposed to exist, like, let's all manifest our energy towards <laughs> it, because I really, really need this movie. Um, so there was, yeah, there was supposed to be a third one that sort of gave us a little bit more. And uh, and we never got to get it. So maybe one day. maybe. One
1: well, day. that could be the one that makes a Collector, like, a true icon because I think he Mm -hmm. I think he's like on the verge he he's where I would put the minor from my bloody valentine yeah I would put them on the same level because for me an icon has to be there has to be mainstream recognition
0: I I think that's
1: how I would define an icon so you get Michael Jason Freddie you get um, ghost face ghost face jigsaw to yep. you know jigsaw is an icon you know and yeah billy the puppet like saw people, has multiple yeah. icons
0: exactly
1: yeah I, th- I think a lot of people think billy the puppet is jigsaw but like that's close enough
0: <laughs> i try not to correct them because it's such a um actually like i don't want to be like that <laughs> but in my head right. a lot of times i'm like you mean billy the puppet but whatever if they're talking about saw they're okay with me
1: it's like they yeah i get it because it's just like i am the same way when it comes to um when people are like yeah the t-rex in jurassic park he's so cool and i'm like actually that's a girl they're all girls but (laughs) but yeah uh, but at the same i'm like they're talking jurassic park with me Why am I going to be a dick for no reason? (laughs)
0: Exactly. It does not matter sometimes. Just let things go.
1: Especially if they're showing a true interest. Oh, exactly. You don't want
0: to push someone away when they just told you, like, hey, we like the same thing. Right. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the collector is not iconic. There's still so many, even, like, horror fans. You know, serious, true, blue, you know, red-blooded horror fans. Who don't know the collector and haven't seen these movies. And so, my hope is that, like, if we can get more interest in these two, maybe that'll help the third one come into existence.
1: Well, like, before this week, I was one of them. Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew of it. Yeah. I kind of knew of it, but I never really had the interest until you're like, I picked the collector. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm down for that. I gotta watch
0: these movies. Yeah. Yeah
1: and i'm down and i'm like you know what if this is a push i need then so be it i'm going to watch some new movies instead of watching uh, predator for the fifth time oh, 500th <laughs> time i've seen that movie way more than five times i meant to say prey for the fifth time um,
0: <laughs> i need to watch prey i still haven't seen it
1: <laughs> if i go down the predator wormhole we're never getting out we're never Fair getting enough. out although i do i did make a connection between predator and the collector
0: oh Tell me, tell me,
1: and not just the obvious. Well, the predator collects trophies, the collectors pretty much doing the same thing. Because I just thought of that. What the connection I initially made was they're both movies that you go in thinking it's one thing, and honestly, the characters are thinking it's one thing, and halfway through, you realize it's way more fucked up.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, in that way. It's similar to Psycho. So yeah. I'm going to say The Collector is Hitchcockian.
1: And so is Predator.
0: <laughs> there we go. They're all Hitchcockian.
1: So we are tying The Collector to all of the every big horror classics. Made. Oh, yeah. Every movie ever made. But <laughs> the big horror classics. And you know what? If you can tie it to Mikey My Mai, Mai and to Jaws and Predator, and Psycho, and Silence of the Lambs, then, like, the Collector has to be an icon. And I think he he becomes an icon with this third film.
0: Let's do it. Can we all please put our energy towards wishing it into existence?
1: Here is my one thing. Okay. I don't want to be mean, but I, I have to be mean for a second. Okay. I think the Collector's Mask might be one of the worst masks i've ever seen in a horror because it to me it's so derpy it's a little silly and i'm like i think he's supposed to kind of be smiling to be creepy which could work but to me is especially when he looks up i i keep thinking like hey you guys like (laughs) and it makes me laugh I don't know why, but I just think it's the derpiest looking mask and I can't take them seriously.
0: It's it's a really different mask than like other horror villain masks. It's not something recognizable like Ghostface is part of a Halloween costume. Jason's got a hockey mask. Those are masks we understand. The Collector wears like, it's like a piece that goes over his whole head and ties in the back. It's almost like a balaclava that ties in the back I think I'm Mm -hmm. saying that right but I also am not sure what it's made out of because it almost seems like it's like plaster or paper mache or something the way it's molded to his face so the mask doesn't move with his face but it's also sort of like molded on his face it's really weird and uncanny like we can see his face but it doesn't look right I like what they do with his eyes where his eyes glow a lot In the different light, but the mask is a little weird. Like, I imagine if we saw the mask in daylight, we'd be like, What the hell is that?
1: (laughs) Right. And I don't know. It's just when you put them up against Michael and Jason and Leatherface and Ghostface, it's like if you ever go see like a kid's costume contest and then Mm. it's a bunch of kids with like really good costumes that you can tell their parents helped them up and then Mm -hmm. the kid with like the paper plate mask and it's like you tried right I'm you're not gonna win but you tried that's what I think of when I think of the collector compared to like the others in terms of just masks but I will say while I'm not a fan of the mask I like the back of it because he has to tie it on And every and that's where I think the film has like its iconic shot is when he ties it behind. So, I mean, at this point, you can't get rid of it.
0: (laughs) No, we need it. It needs to be a thing. But it could be updated. It could be. I mean, other horror franchises. Look at all the Halloween masks that Michael Myers has worn
1: good and bad throughout the years. Jason didn't get the hockey mask till part three. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So, and I did notice in the second one, they recreate the him putting on the mask, like the cameras behind him and you see a time. I'm just like, that's a poster, you know?
0: Yep. That's the shot.
1: Because that mask is too stupid to be on the poster. I'm sorry. But But the the back back of of it is cool. Yeah. The back of it, the back of his head is ridiculous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is a deep cut for... People who remember earlier days of the internet. <laughs> that flashed me back about 12 years.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, good. You're making me watch this. I'm making you remember. We're we're remembering the late 2000s, early 2010s fondly.
0: We are, yes. Yeah. So that is kind of my my happy place,
1: <laughs> especially with horror movies. It's a really interesting time because it was mm-hmm. kind of the decline not the decline but yeah the decline of saw into the takeover of paranormal activity yes and that was a really interesting time Mm -hmm. because we as that transition between the ultra gritty ultra violent torture porn and slasher remakes into just a shit ton of supernatural movies yep which i think dominated the 2010s
0: they did. Because um, paranormal activity, is you know, it's hyper realistic, like it's just two regular people with a camera, which is the opposite of how like overly produced the torture porn era was and we get supernatural stuff and then in 2013 james Wong gives us the conjuring right which started off a whole other franchise that went in a very different i mean those movies have a really different vibe and then in 2014 we got the babadook which sort of kicked off this generation of trauma horror that we're yeah. just now getting out of, I think we're almost done with it for a while. Like, it's okay for horror to have these different areas and each one's reacting to the last one, but the collector and especially the collection came really kind of when the era was starting to wind down.
1: It was, it was like, it came late. To, it, it feels like it came to the party, but the party was on Friday and it's Saturday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
1: I wonder, like... If the
0: collector had been a Saw prequel, maybe it wouldn't have felt that way because it would have been another Saw entry. And so that as franchise was already established. Like trying to kick off a new franchise at that point up against paranormal activity, I think would have been really hard.
1: Right. And it proved to be very hard because yeah. they tried. Yep. And then I think it's important to note that the other big horror franchise that came out directly at that time was insidious yep and was that
0: 2010
1: 2010 yeah okay so that's a lot of things to compete paranormal activity insidious and it's like james Wan moved on from saw at that point mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> even he was doing the supernatural because i think insidious was fantastic and then the conjuring for me is one of the scariest films of that decade
0: I love The Conjuring. I think James Wan can just show up every 10 to 12 years and change the direction of horror and tell us what to like for the next decade. I'd be cool with that.
1: Well, now we're in our super insane Giallo inspired what the fuck phase.
0: And I love it. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm here for it.
1: I just need more. I need more. Yes. Yes. And not soon. necessarily more malignant movies, just more malignant inspired movies. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Did you see Barbarian? I did. Okay. Excellent, I did.
1: right? Oh, yes. Speaking yeah. of, I don't know if it's malignant inspired in a literal sense, but I do think there are connections to be made. Yeah. We won't make them because no, nope. I don't feel it's like spoiling new. malignant or Barbarian. <laughs> yep. But But you and I fantastic films. Yeah. And if you've seen it, dear listener, you 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 know know. as well. If you know, you know. Exactly. But yeah, I think we're in a really great era of horror because we're in we're. if you look at 2022 alone, you have the the icons are back. Michael Mm -hmm. Myers is king. And I know Halloween ends like. You either love it or you hate it. At I mean, it's still Michael. Like whether you like that movie or not, Michael's still around. Right. Well, after forty years, Ghostface made a huge comeback. Leatherface is back. Predator is back. Pinhead Mm -hmm. is back. Chucky has a show. Candyman had a film in twenty twenty one. Yep. But there's so many of these icons, with and then more and then new icons being formed with Terrifier, um, Art the Clown. Yep. With orphan i know pearl you know, pearl yeah these are the new i know orphan that first film came out in like 2009 or 2008 but yeah
0: something like that i need to see the new one i keep hearing good things
1: but with the new one coming out this year i think that's what makes f esther an icon now i think <laughs> esther is an icon now whereas i would have put her in the collector what's the word i'm tier yeah Mm -hmm. like the collector the tear with the collector and the what's his name from I know what you did last summer and oh the
0: fisherman yeah yeah
1: I think I know what you did last summer is a mainstream movie but the Mm -hmm. fisherman's not a mainstream icon right I would agree with that with this new orphan movie I think there are enough people who dressed up as Esther for Halloween and you know they dressed up as Pearl and Art the Clown I think there is a lot of like these are the new horror icons because they're getting their sequels. And then mm-hmm. we're getting a lot of exciting original horror like Barbarian, yes. like Malignant. Like, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm still gonna shout it out. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Um, mm-hmm. X came out this year.
0: <laughs> yep. Smile is doing Smile. really well. I haven't seen it yet, but- I really like Smile.
1: Really and um, Nope nope was right
0: my god yeah (laughs) yeah
1: and nope is like my second favorite movie of the years and my favorite horror movie so yeah the horror genre is booming in both the icons and the originals like they're both they're both coexisting and thriving we're we're all
0: better for it like we're all winning this year
1: We are all went, exactly, because whatever your very, very, very niche taste in horror is, I'm fairly certain it's covered.
0: Yeah, something came out for you.
1: Except for us collector fans. We need the collected. We're speaking it into existence.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yes, we need more people manifesting this energy and tweeting at Marcus Dunstan. (laughs) Well, don't harass I, Marcus Dunstan. Leave him alone. He wants to make this movie if he can.
1: I don't think he's a person to tweet because right he uh, he he's wants to make it made. You know.
0: So who do we got to go to? Jason Blum. Let's go to Jason Blum.
1: Yeah, that, that's his job to be yeah. harassed by the fans.
0: Yeah, Jason Blum, make this movie.
1: Exactly. We need a new collector movie. And and where the fuck is Freddy? Freddy's long overdue.
0: <laughs> yeah. When did his remake come out? Twenty ten.
1: Yeah, it was twenty ten.
0: I think so. The thing about Freddie is like, how are you going to do that without Robert Englund? And he doesn't want to play Freddie anymore.
1: And I don't blame him.
0: No, me either. He gave us a lot.
1: I I think there are I think I think there are a lot of ways you can bring Freddie back. Because speaking of the remake, I don't really care for that movie. But I thought Jackie Earl Haley that's his name i think
0: i think so
1: i think it was about be- i think he was the best part of that movie i don't think freddy was the problem i think it was yeah. everything else
0: i would agree the performance there was no problem with the performance i just i don't know if i'm ever gonna buy a freddy that isn't robert england and maybe that's a me problem like You know, you think of Tim Curry's Pennywise, and it's so different from Alex Skarsgård Pennywise, but they're both amazing. So maybe we just need an actor who can take the essence of Freddy and make it their own. And it'll be equally great, but just something different. Like, I would I would like to see it. I just I I fear that we can't do it right without Robert Englund.
1: Well, I think I think you bring up by bringing up Tim Curry and Bill Skarsgård.
0: Oh, I said the wrong Skarsgård.
1: I didn't yeah. want to say it. No, I, I just I, tried to
0: listen. We were you just talking about me. we don't
1: want to be that we don't want to be that person. Yeah, but, but at I the literally same time, credited like, the
0: wrong actor. Yeah, so
1: I'm like, I I try to do it under the rug.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. It's good, Bill, Bill, Bill. I'll do it right.
1: But uh, <laughs> to be fair, there are a lot of Skarsgårds and they're, they're every... all very talented. They're yeah, all they're very... just
0: running around. Yeah, because
1: a Stellan Scarzguard is. Often Andor. I know you said you're not really into the Star but Andor, Wars.
0: I'm watching Andor. It's excellent.
1: I didn't watch the new episode this week, but me Okay. We're not gonna spoil it for each other because we're not there yet. <laughs> yes, but
0: but it's so good. Andor
1: is fantastic. Oh my god, I love Diego Luna. But like with Freddie, I think people are so concerned with getting Freddie right, he's not the point. You have to get Nancy right, or your main character. Because it's true you have to reestablish that world no matter what, whether you remake it or do a legacy sequel, it has to you have to bring in a new audience, it has to work as a film. Yeah. And if you have every other piece working, then you could plop Pete Davidson in as Freddie. And now that's
0: a movie I'd watch.
1: <laughs> Well, I bring well, the reason why I say him is one because he could probably do a unique Freddy. not I didn't. I didn't bring him in because like randomly I'm like, well, who's funny? Yeah. You know, and he doesn't have to be funny either. Like, I'm just thinking, like, who would be unique in that role? It could be someone we don't know, probably should be someone we don't know.
0: That's true. And then we can have a clean slate, fresh association. You know, I'm definitely coming around as you're saying this. Like, I'm going to revise my opinion on that. I want to see a Freddy reboot.
1: All I'm saying is Jason Blum, if you're listening to this, first, bring back the collector. And second, I I got some pitches for Freddy. I got some ideas. So hit me up.
0: And he definitely I, listens. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> But no, I think there are a lot of ways to bring back Freddy. I think there are multiple right ways. I just think to bring Scream, the recent Scream movie, as an example, what I think that film did very well was it just did its homework. It asked itself, "What is what is this franchise about?" Yeah, it's meta slasher. It's a meta slasher who done it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Asked to analyze what's happening in the world right now. And it has to be about a kick-ass strong female lead, which case we get two now. Mm-hmm. But everyone going in is like, how they you're think and myself included, we're thinking Sid uh Sydney, Gale, and Dewey. Yeah. But that's not that's not how you bring a franchise back. Not anymore, at least.
0: That's really true. That's very true. Cause I really liked Scream that came out this year. It didn't so, try to be something it wasn't but it like took the lessons of the originals and made a new thing.
1: And with the technology we have in filmmaking today, there needs to be a nightmare on Elm street movie because yeah,
0: that's you true. can do
1: so many things with dreams now. Yeah. So, so I, I've thought a lot about it. Why? I, I don't can know. tell.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'm here for it. I'm ready.
1: I don't know about you, but I I have some franchises that are like dreams that I want to, work on and I guess nightmare is one of them because <laughs> I thought a lot about it. That's um awesome. it's it's that one and predator. Those yeah. are the ones where I'm like I have I have a story for that franchise.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Hey I hope you get to do that. If I can just wish the collected into existence then I'll just I don't need to do any more work in film.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well we're making it happen. So I hope so. And The good thing about that is I don't think that needs to be a... I mean, I think that could just be a direct sequel. It should be a direct sequel. We need answers.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially the way the collection ends.
1: Right. I have to ask real quick. How did the collector have this insane trap in the nightclub?
0: Uh, Yeah, that part's crazy.
1: I was like, what? What is happening? (laughs) When
0: did he have the time... To install it when no one else was looking or did he pretend to be like a roadie setting up for a musical act and it like they just thought it was a prop does he have an inside connection into the nightclub i don't know
1: but it's crazy well does he own the nightclub and he just had it for the because he's well funded where does he get his funding
0: i don't know like if he owns the nightclub, you'd think they could very easily catch him
1: <laughs> after well, I mean, that he, happens. He lives in basically a haunted house. Yeah. And not like, ooh, spooky ghost um, haunted. I mean, like, big budget, um make money by scaring people, like, theme park haunted house. That's yeah. what I'm looking for, theme park. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it really is, like... There's a path through it. Every room has like a yeah. different scare, yeah,
1: I don't know if I don't know if Halloween Horror Nights at Universal ever did a collected house. Not that I
0: know of. but if they do it, I want to be there.
1: Another reason to make the collected so you can make a Halloween horror house, yeah, a Halloween, yeah, horror nights house, yeah. So Universal, you know what to do.
0: listen. Get to work,
1: <laughs> so I do got now I got to ask. The real, the titular question of the show. If you found yourself a a desired piece for the collector, (laughs) would you die?
0: So quickly and horribly.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Unless he decided I was the one he keeps. Because he always keeps one alive. That would be up to him. If he wanted me dead, I'd be dead as shit.
1: Well, I think I'd rather... I, I don't think I'd want to be kept, though. No, I think I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather you kill me.
0: Yeah. I mean, we meet the, the one young lady who's in his collection. She doesn't seem to be doing great. So, yeah, I would definitely die. I am not going to get past him.
1: And those trunks seemed cramped.
0: Oh, yeah. Scary.
1: I'm not a fan.
0: So Ew.
1: if I had to pick, I would like the collector to take me out in the nightclub because I'd just Just, be dancing and all of a sudden I'd be up in heaven. I'll be like, (laughs) what happened? Because like a lot of those people didn't know what was happening. They were dancing and then all of a sudden. (sighs) So
0: that's probably the best way to go better than some of the deaths in the first film where they're really drawn out and awful.
1: Oh, yeah. Like it earns its torture porn title.
0: Heck yeah, love it. So,
1: (laughs) but yeah, thank you for introducing me to The Collector. I really, I really enjoyed the second. I I appreciate the first one, but I really enjoyed the second one.
0: Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I could introduce these to you and that you got enjoyment out of them and that more people are going to hear about these movies. That is great.
1: And if you guys have the stomach for it, We both, I'm going to speak for you for a second, because I think you'd agree. We both recommend that you watch uh, The Collector and The Collection. Yes. Just have the stomach for it and be warned. It's not nice towards animals.
0: Yep. Or people, but... eh. (laughs) You knew that one, though, yeah.
1: I mean, this is a horror movie podcast. Let's be real. So... Uh, What do you got uh, coming up in the world of Ariel?
0: Yeah, so we just uh, very recently at the time of recording, Hear Us Scream volume two was published. So um, I'm in that. That is a book of personal essays about horror and it's still available on Amazon. So if you want to check that out, you can pick that up. And I've always got writing in the works for Ghouls magazine. So you can find my stuff there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser, and I'll post all my writing and podcasting there. And you can also find me on Letterboxed at the same name.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me
0: thanks so much for having me
1: thank you for listening to today's episode thanks again to ariel for introducing me to the collector they are very interesting films and while i can appreciate the first one i really really enjoyed the second one once again if you're a seasoned horror veteran these are probably right up your alley but if you're still newer to the genre i would work up to these ones these are pretty gory and mean-spirited On this segment of I Know What You Watched last week, in which I tell you about the horror films I've watched since the last episode, horror rewatches include my favorite Christmas movie, Gremlins, and I showed my friend my favorite horror movie of all time, Alien. It's always a good week when you get to watch your favorites. I watched the new Shudder original, A Wounded Fawn, directed by Travis Stevens and starring Josh Rubin and Sarah Lynn. It is a fascinating art horror film that both reminded me of when I was in college and Evil Dead 2. Which, fun fact, the first time I watched Evil Dead 2 I was in college. Hmm. If you're in the mood for something weird, maybe check this one out. It's the kind of movie that, for me at least, I didn't get it while I was watching it. And once the credits started rolling, it clicked and I was like, oh. Like I said, it made me feel like I was in college again. I love. Um, sometimes you're in the mood for a weird little art movie, and that's what this was, and it was pretty fascinating. The next movie isn't really a horror movie, but it's bloody and badass, and I kinda and I just wanna talk about it. Violent Night. This one will easily join the Christmas movie rotation. While I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, I kinda hated this family Santa was supposed to protect. David Harbour carries this film on his back like it's Santa's sack of toys and goodies. Really, David Harbour is so good in this. I know he's good in everything, but he is especially good in this. The action is great, and I really, really enjoy the dynamic between the little girl and Santa Claus. I lied earlier. I I do hate the family, but I don't hate the little girl. I thought she was good. Everyone else, I was like, eh. That being said, Violent Nights, a lot of fun, and it lives up to the promise i just got some little things it it is what it is speaking of christmas movies i finally watched anna and the apocalypse which is a 2017 zombie christmas musical and it, it excels in every aspect you can tell everyone involved in this film put their heart and soul into this surprisingly emotional movie the songs are catchy the gore was gross I had such a good time and I highly recommend this to every person who loves musicals as much as they love horror. I also have an exciting announcement. My next horror short is basically complete and we'll start applying it to festivals soon. It is called Ice Scream, Ice and Scream, I I came up with the title and I, I still can't pronounce it. Ice Scream is written and directed by yours truly. And I consider it a treat of a horror movie Pun intended I, I had to do it I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to share this film with everybody And uh, yeah If you're enjoying the Would You Die podcast Please like, share, and subscribe If you want to help support the podcast financially I do have a Buy Me A Coffee page I'll put the link in the episode description But it is buymeacoffee.com Would you die show If you choose you can donate a dollar Say something nice And just overall make my day and if not, no worries. But any little bit will help this podcast in a big way. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, you can now follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast and Hive at Would You Die Pod. If you want my unfiltered movie thoughts, follow me at Letterboxd at TaurusAU. You can also find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week on the Would You Die podcast, I have a super exciting guest, but I'm not going to say anything more because I don't want to ruin the surprise. Horror fans, once you see this guy, y- you definitely know who it is. Until next time, I'm Austin Taurus. Try not to die.